see. Tatiana looks up, her eyes jiggling, all her teeth showing in her peculiar grin. You doing okay? asks Squid. Tatiana nods. We're almost there. You'll meet your grandma and your grandpa. They've got a boat with a glass bottom and a little tractor that can pull you in a wagon. Squid wants to tell her everything. About Glory, the little winged horse. About Gamora and the wailing wall. About Alistair's flute and the singing of whales. But Tatiana isn't listening. The child has already turned back to the hawse hole, watching the water rush past the boat. On the island, the wind feels brisk. It drives the waves against the shore and shreds them into spray. It gusts up the rocks and over the sodden lawn, where Murray McRae, the lightkeeper, stands in his khaki shorts. Darby's coming, he says, making it sound as though he doesn't care, as though he hasn't been watching for the ship since dawn first came to Lizzie Island. In his hands he holds the things the sea has cast ashore, strands of kelp and bits of bark and sticks like old men's fingers, warded with barnacle shells. Six feet behind him, Hannah looks up and turns toward the sun. It's well to the south, so late in September, and it glares off the waves, off the rocks wet with spray. She squints, then puts her hands to her face and peers through the tunnel made by her fingers, the shape of a heart on the sea. The Darby is far in the distance. A plume of brown smoke, a speck of red for the hull. Her daughter's out there an hour away. Murray carries his sticks to the edge of the grass and heaves them back where they came from, over the cliff and down to the sea. He claps his hands together, then hitches up his shorts. Better get hopping, he says. I've got things to do. Sand to carry. In a moment he's off on his little tractor, bulging above it like a circus bear. A rickety cart, rusted and squeaking, bounces behind him as he rattles down the boardwalk and into the forest. Hannah goes the other way, over the trestle and up through the tower, out at the top to the platform that circles it. For nearly a week, a lone humpback whale has been feeding on the shallows off the island, and she looks for it now as she might watch from a porch for a friend passing by. The wind buffets at the long, dark dress of the lightkeeper's wife, at the crimson scarf tied round her hair. Once this was her favorite place, Above the houses and the patch of emerald lawn, ringed in by the railing, she was never frightened by the height, though she stood so high above the sea that the birds flew below her and the surf flickered white on the distant reefs of Devil Rock. Autumn once was her favorite time, a summer's end when the whales and the birds stopped to rest on their southward migrations. But now the island is a prison and the sea a wall around it. Autumn is the start of winter and the coming of the undertaker. Even the wind makes her frightened. She believes now that it has a voice. She's heard it often in the last three years, as a breath in the summer's tall grass, as a whisper through the forest of moss-bearded trees. It's shouted her name in the storms that come from the south, when the gulls are flung through the sky like scraps of paper. She hasn't told Murray any of this, but the voice on the wind is their son's. Yesterday he was there.
when the storm was at its peak and the house rattled and shook, when the Canadian flag tore itself into streamers of red and white. She looked out and saw him in the flash of the light. He was gone in the darkness that followed, there and then gone. Poor Alistair, four years drowned, blown up from the sea in the storm. Hannah shudders remembering that, her vision of him. She moves back from the rail and leans on the glass. Though eighty feet above the sea, it's stained with salt, remnants of last night's storm. Hannah rubs at the white splotches with her hand and then with the scarf, tearing it off to let her hair blow in tangles. Every five seconds, the light flashes in the cupola. It's a pathetic thing now, that light, a plastic dome on a little stick of a pole. The old lantern is long gone, the one that floated in its mercury bath, going round and around with a brilliance brighter than sunlight. Don't look straight at it, Murray told her the first time he took her up to the tower. It could burn out your eyes, he said. And for a week after that, she went back and forth over the lawns with her eyes squinted until Murray, laughing, told her how the beam passed far above. But it cast her shadow on the grass, a gray shape that leapt beside her as she walked. It flashed in through the windows and followed her down through the forest. It was like an enormous eye up there, watching her always. And she was glad when the new one came, though Murray hated it right from the start. Look at the bulbs, he said, the wee little bulbs. He lifted off the plastic dome and she saw them underneath, half a dozen bulbs in a gizmo of metal and plastic. They were the size of Christmas tree lights. It's the start of the end, said Murray. They'll get rid of the keepers next, just you wait and see. Then he reached out and loosened the bulb. A moment later, the holder turned by itself. The old bulb swung down and a new one rose in its place with a whir and a click. She heard the little crackle as the filament glowed white hot. Give it a year, said Murray, and we'll get our walking papers then. Well, many years have passed and the walking papers still haven't arrived. Murray dreads their coming, but Hannah looks forward to it. She rubs at the salt and the glass quivers under her hand when the humpback breathes. The sound comes to her like a bang of metal and she turns her head in time to see a plume of spray shimmer in the sun, a cloud as thin as kettle steam. A dozen gulls tumble toward it where the water is dark and swirling. Hannah searches among the rocks in the channel where the water is gold and silver from the sand. She searches to the south but she doesn't find the whale. Only the Darby is out there, bringing her daughter in a traveling smoke, like old Yahweh looming up from the desert. Puffs of spray rise from the bow, white flowers blooming, as though the ship is steaming through a field of dandelions. For a moment, Hannah wishes for the binoculars. They hang from a peg beside the door, next to a little brown envelope that Murray has glued there to hold his lens-cleaning papers. But the wish soon passes. They're big German binoculars that once peered from a U-boat, or so Murray told her. She's afraid of them in a way, frightened that she might see the things they've seen if she holds them just so in her hands. And no, 
She decides it would be wrong to watch for her daughter through lenses that have witnessed the drowning of men. Below her, across the bridge and over the lawn, Murray's tractor comes puttering back along the path. The engine coughs and stops. It's his third day of hauling sand, two buckets at a time. On the first day, she asked him, "'Why can't the child just play at the beach?' "'They like their sand in boxes,' he said. "'Cats and babies, you know,' he shrugged. "'Ah, they're pretty much the same.' He's never had a cat. He's never met Tatiana. "'And see,' he said, "'I've made some toys for the lassie.' "'They're lovely things, built of chunky wood that's red and yellow.' There's a boat just like the Darby, with a crane to lift tiny chests from the deck. There's a sailboat and a freighter, and a flat-top ferry with three funny-looking cars that drive aboard on sliding ramps. What sort of cars are those? she asked. Ah, I don't know, he said. I was thinking of DeSoto's. Now Hannah smiles to herself. Murray hasn't seen a car in nearly twenty-five years. She watches from her height as he lifts the buckets one at a time from the wagon and empties them into the sandbox. He stoops to one knee and smooths out the pile, sifting through it for clamshells and stones and bits of glass, which he drops in a bucket to put back on the beach. His hand moves, his fingers open, and the sound of the things hitting the bucket reaches her long after, when he's already sifting again. Then he glances up, past the little shed he's built around the sandbox, and he stands with the buckets in his hands. He's keeping a watch on the derby Hannah can see as he bustles around, pretending not to care. He carries his buckets to the tractor and glances to the south.